To generalize, even though death is an inevitable part of every person's life, death is something that we don't want to look directly at. It's a subject that most people want to avoid. This attitude that we have towards death is detrimental to us in many ways. One of these ways is that it prevents us from seeing life clearly. What anybody who's had a near-death experience or who has lost a loved one can tell you is that death changes your perspective on life. When we are confronted with death, it changes our perspective on life and all the elements of life, most especially the people in our lives. But most of us, we wait until some kind of death confronts us in some way for us to view life and the people in our life from this perspective. We wait until somebody's on their deathbed to say the things that we would say about life and about our relationship with that person and about them and about ourselves that we would say from the perspective of death. But this is actually unnecessary. It's unnecessary to wait until we are confronted with death to see life and to see our relationships from the context of death. Also, if we wait for death to confront us, we may not end up talking to somebody on their deathbed or on our deathbed, because the reality is we may be too late to communicate with people from this perspective. Today, I'm going to present to you one of the most powerful relationship exercises that you can practice. I want you to start by picking somebody. It could be literally anyone. It could be one of your close friends, maybe a distant friend. It could be a coworker. It could be an uncle or aunt. It could be a cousin. It could be a sibling. It could be a boss. <laughs> it could be literally anything under the sun. Mom, dad, pick anyone. All this being said, I will tell you that there are profound shifts that occur when you pick one of your parents. From there, you're going to put yourself in the perspective of either them being about to die or yourself being about to die. You want to pick either one that makes you feel the most open, the most objective, and the most loving. Either way, no matter what you pick, you're going to know that this is the last time that you're ever going to communicate with them. And from that position, you're going to write them a letter or you're going to speak a message to them. This exercise is essentially, before you ever get to this point with somebody else or with yourself, to speak your last words to somebody. These are the last things you're ever going to say. I want you to let this intuitively flow from the core of your being. But that being said, I do have some prompts that will help you with this message. One, who are you writing to? What is their personality? No two people will need or appreciate the same message. Personalize your letter according to who they are and their specific personality and needs. This will allow your unique relationship with them to shine through the letter. Two, how do you want them to feel? What is that lasting imprint you wish for them to carry with them regarding you and your relationship to them? Let this set the emotional tone for the overall letter. Three, what is your intention for writing this letter in the first place? 
Let this intention serve as a guide for how you write or speak it. 4. What tension between you needs to be resolved, and what might you say on your end to resolve it? 5. What painful thing between you needs to be acknowledged, and what might you say on your side to reduce that pain between you? 6. What conflict needs to be put to rest, or what closure needs to be created, and what might you say to put it to rest, or create that closure without denying any of your own needs? 7. What might you need to acknowledge regarding their pain relative to you, or apologize for? 8. What might you need to explain so they understand it, without justifying yourself? 9. Do you have any cherished memories or moments you want to remind them of? 10. What do you love, admire, and approve of about them authentically and honestly? 11. How would you want them to feel about themselves, you, your relationship, and their life, at the end of their life, or yours? And what might you say to evoke that feeling within them? 12. What might you want to thank them for? 13. Might you want to communicate the objective story you are going to tell other people about your relationship with them in retrospect, in order to give them a taste of your perspective about your connection over the course of time together? 14. What have they taught you, or what did you learn from them? 15. What is it that they deeply need or want to hear from you? How might you give them what they want to hear from you in a way that is authentic and that does not hurt any aspect of you to express? 16. Can you see their vulnerability? How might you speak directly to and answer to that vulnerability in a safe and caring way? 17. Is there any question you want to ask them that would bring you closer to truly and compassionately understanding them. 18. Is there anything you need to reassure them about regarding themselves, you, or your relationship? 19. What is left unsaid that must be said? 20. What could you authentically say that might bring them peace and solace? Is there any way you could let them off the hook for something in a way that does not hurt you in any way? Make sure that nothing is left unsaid, and then take that leap to be brave enough to be vulnerable and send it to them. If you happen to find that you are in a super angry, disapproving, negative mentality where you feel like you have to call them out on all their wrongdoings and on all the ways that they hurt you, you don't have to be super surprised. You may have to do multiple versions of this letter before you drop down to that more objective reality of the way that you feel towards this other person. That being said, when someone is on their deathbed or is about to die, at their most vulnerable, this tends to strip away these top layers, and what someone is left with is what is deeper and what is more objective. It leaves you in a place of love. But remember that love is not an upbeat, all-positive state of affirmation. It is a deep, truthful, expansive state of closeness. This means if you really genuinely put yourself in this perspective, 
of having only this last chance to communicate to someone before you never see them again. This deeper, more objective perspective about them and you and your relationship will surface. I'm also going to challenge you not to lie in this letter. Now, when I say not to lie, I don't mean that most people who are in this position where they're talking to somebody who's about to die are intentionally lying. What it is is that all of the emotions of, wait, this is the last moment I'm going to have to, you know, connect with this person, and all of a sudden I'm experiencing the potential loss of this person, puts you in this state where all of a sudden all you have access to is how much you care about them. And so what tends to happen is, is that a person, because they want that person who is going away to feel good, or they really want to only acknowledge the part of them that is loving them, they will only present that truth. For example, let's say that somebody had a super abusive father. I mean, somebody who is like really not a good guy, right? They may sit on his deathbed and say, you know what, at the end of the day, dad, you were a really good dad. You see how that's not authentic, that's not truthful. At the end of the day, this dad was not a good dad. However, people are not all good or all bad. The world is a lot more gray. So even though overall in the big picture of things, this might have been a pretty crappy dad, that doesn't mean he's all bad. This same person might say, I loved so much when you used to take us in the back of your Cadillac to the corner store to get candy. And that is totally true and also not damaging to any part of themselves to say. So the challenge I'm going to put forth when you're writing this letter is not to gloss over things with positives. It's to be genuinely authentic, meaning whatever you say, I want all parts of you to actually back that up, even if they have some truth which might seemingly oppose it. See, even if that person has a part that says, that was a totally crappy dad. In fact, he disowned me. And before that, he was physically abusive, right? That same part can probably agree, yeah, that was pretty cool going to the candy store. You want to write what is authentic and what is true. Otherwise, what you say to somebody in these last words is not real. No two last words letters will be alike because no relationship is the same. No person is the same. No dynamic is really the same. Because of this, your letter will look drastically different than anybody else's letter. And each letter you write to a person in your life is going to look different than the last. No two people want the same message. But so you can get a picture of what one of these letters may look like, I've asked a member of my team, Cyan, to write one and to read it to you. He's going to do that for you now. Hey guys, so my name is Cyan and I'm doing this letter for my mother um, in the event that she's on her deathbed. Um, I chose my mother because I feel like the trauma that I went through with her was a lot more like hidden and not talked about as much and not as overt as what I did go through with my father. So I feel like because of that, that's left me having a lot of unexpressed words and thoughts and feelings towards her that I really wanted to share with her, not because I want to attack her with those words, but because I really want her to understand where I've come from, where I've been um, in my healing journey so that we can actually get closer together through a letter like this. Um, so I'm going to read it to you now. Dear Mom, I have learned lately in my life that there's really nothing you can or should 
wait on or count on always being there. That if there's something that matters to you and that you cherish, that you've got to make the most of it in every moment. And to me, that is truly living. One of those things that I cherish is our relationship. I feel like you and I have been through the ringer, both in our experiences from the moment I was born, but also in your experiences before I even came into the picture. It feels like we've had to endure so much in this life. We grew up in the poorest area in a dangerous neighborhood in the projects of Buffalo and New York together. In the very same house that you yourself were raised in, we knew nothing but what it was like to be poor and to always have the odds stacked against us forever. Eating ramen and canned foods and taking the metro bus if we can afford it that day was the norm for us. Feeling like the odds were always against us was also something that we normalized. And we haven't even factored in yet the trauma from our family on top of all of that. With your abusive father, to your own brother committing suicide, to the challenges that your husband slash my father introduced into our lives, to our own dynamics that have been painful as well. We've been through a lot. And yet, through all of that, we've somehow still managed to not lose our resolve in our relationship. And it's allowed the pain and pressures that we've gone through in our lives to actually compress coal into diamonds. And for that, I am extremely thankful. The truth is that we were dealt gnarly decks of cards in this life. Just as you know, it is all led for me to go out and seek answers externally and to find actual healing, which has taken me on a journey far, far away from home. I'm also aware that during this time, my relationship with you and our family has dimmed significantly while I've been away exploring, repairing, and integrating all that I've been learning and discovering about myself. There were a number of years where I thought the concept of a blood family was such a joke, a sick, dark, and twisted joke. I felt like my eyes had opened so wide these last few years, and I've begun to finally see and acknowledge all the pain that my childhood has caused me and still causes me in my adult life. But what caused me to come back towards you and towards the family rather than continue to drift away was that astounding day we had a few months ago together where we had that unplanned big emotional breakthrough and you not only saw the pain that i was in but you acknowledged and owned your part in it which has healed me in such a way that i thought i could never have I really did think that I'd need to see unicorns flying from my bedroom window before ever getting a chance like this. I know it's not easy to see those patterns and the pain that they've caused, especially the ones where you also played a role in them happening. And I'm really grateful that you would listen and also understand and own your part in that. Because we've opened up this deeper container together these days, and because I want more closeness with you, I want to dive even deeper into what I want you to see and understand about me in order to have that genuine closeness together. We've talked some about how it affected me that you didn't defend me all those times in my childhood from my father when he would destroy me mentally, emotionally, and physically. What you don't know yet, and what I deeply desire for you to see, is what that has caused me to become 
and to have experienced as a result of the trauma created by it. Because I had a mother that didn't stand up for me or protect me, and a father that hated me with all of his might due to you choosing me over him emotionally, I had to find ways to cope in order to survive that. I created a lot of what are called protector parts within me. One primary one being what I call the feminine protector that allowed me to feel powerful enough to take on my father in the ways that you couldn't. I feel like that trauma that I went through, having had no male guidance or support, and a mother that smothered me and leaned on me like a surrogate husband left me feeling abandoned, having to fend for myself, and caused me to become so terrified of people that the levels of anxiety that completely debilitate me around people is something that I wouldn't wish on anyone. I'm not sure that you realize at the time that anything like that would actually affect me into my adult life. And it's something that's really important for me to share with you so we can be on the same page together about that. I had no way to own, accept, or develop my own masculinity, learning instead to mistake my identity and personality for what kept me safe instead. That alone has made me become a very socially anxious nightmare in relationships for a very long time because people can feel when I'm being inauthentic and I feel like I never had the opportunity to really know myself because who I was wasn't okay. And for me, this whole journey has been about coming back to understanding who I actually am and who I actually am is somebody that I want you to know. I want you to actually know who your son is and I wanna know who I am too. And that's something that I'm very committed to continuously unfolding. And I want to be able to share that with you as I become more and more aware of who I really am and who I consciously want to be. And when I'm in pain or processing pain from our past, I want to be able to feel like you can see it with me. And so we can be in the same reality together. It's something that I've always wanted to have with you. And I feel like we're finally getting there. My greatest wish is that through doing this together, moving forward, that we will dissolve any barriers that are still between us and totally embrace and love each other. What I want you to know that I see about you is that you were and are a mother that was so committed to doing the right things for her son from her perspective, while also trying to stay safe and to meet your needs at the same time. That you did your best from where you were with what you knew, and that while that was the best possible at that time, that in the present day, you are now still able to see what's possible to change and improve and get better at. And to me, that is remarkable. If anyone were to ever ask about you or our relationship, I'd tell them that I have the warmest and sweetest mother who is always willing to listen and to talk. And while I didn't think that ever could be possible to have the relationship that we do now, I have proof that we do, and I cherish that about our relationship. You've shown me what it's like to truly and authentically be warm, kind, affectionate, and compassionate in such a pure way. The way that you offer that is so rare. 
To me, that makes you a rare gem in this world, and because of you, I have an actual reference point that these traits can actually exist in a person, and that those things are safe to receive from people. I want to thank you for always directing so much positive focus towards me, which has never changed no matter what's happened to us over the years. And for being so brave and open these days as we unwind our family's patterns together, which is a very new, nerve-wracking, scary, exciting, sacred, and beautiful experience to me. I also know what an honest and good work ethic is because of you. You taught me the value in putting in effort despite the odds and to never give up when the going gets tough. And you still live this by example to this very day. And I'm very proud of you and proud to have you as a mother for that. Thank you for never giving up on me and for actually wanting to heal together as a family. I'm well aware of how unheard of it is to have this kind of an opportunity with my family. And I wish for us to show the world what's really possible in recovering from wounds within our family together. I'll never forget all the beautiful moments together either. I have the best memories of us being together in the kitchen, cooking together, which is still our thing that we love to do and talk about. How you would help me when I was a little kid to write cookbooks that really made no sense from ingredients that we had in the house to playing with the Easy Bake Oven together. I love and miss too how often we would laugh hysterically till our cheeks were just in so much pain that you're just on the floor. And of course, your infamous, oh snap, response to whenever you would have a klutz attack, like that time when you were working in the cafeteria at my high school and you slipped on a banana peel while carrying a crate of milk across the cafeteria and everybody and all my friends watched and saw that moment and thought it was the funniest thing in the entire world. Or, how much you cared about whenever I was actually sick growing up or when I broke my arm in fifth grade. I really felt like you were there for me during that. You really wanted to make sure I had everything possible in order to heal. I don't want to live another day of my life without you knowing these things, nor do I want to live a single day disconnected from you while we're here together on this planet. It's my desire that we can continue to grow together and become even closer as time goes on not forgetting to take in every moment spent connecting with one another and take any of it for granted. I'm so grateful that you're my mom. I feel so blessed to actually feel safe and secure knowing that you would never abandon our relationship no matter what. And that's a promise that I can also keep for you. Love you very much. Your son, Cyan. The purpose of this letter is the same as it would be for any time that you would want to convey a last message to somebody before it's the last time that you see them. In general, your aim is to reduce conflict, to reduce pressure, to reduce tension and pain, instead of to increase it. It will surprise you how profoundly impactful and freeing doing this exercise is not only for them, but also for you and the profound impact of doing this before somebody has died, before they're on their deathbed, and instead when somebody is still in your life, cannot be overstated. Have a good week.